Welcome back to Square Horror. I'm your Duke of Spook, Danny. I'm the Master of Scaramonies, Matt. Uh, and we're coming at you with another uh, 2022 horror f- classic. The last year, um, we said multiple times on this show, uh, has just been a new renaissance. Uh, it's one of those years, like we said, like 1984. Um, and mm-hmm. I feel like we've been wanting to do this movie for a, a while, ever since we saw it. Uh, and uh, it's just kind of coasted now to the the top of our list, um, just for a number of reasons. Well, yeah, I'm kind of glad we're able to cover this on a full episode instead of our first impressions, like we did some movies last year. Yeah, yeah. Because there's just so much to unpack with this movie, right? And I'm really glad glad that I got to uh, look at it in a little bit of a different perspective this time that I watched it. Because um, I really mm-hmm. liked it the first time, and I really just couldn't put my finger on like what it was. Uh, and I knew that what I was watching it the first time that it was a very interesting movie, and we'll get into it. Like it, it's it's kind of reminds me of like a modern Hitchcock and just how it like get it really takes you by yeah. surprise. Um, and I was like, man, I really want to like watch this again now, having like a good idea of the twist. Maybe I can appreciate it a little bit more. And there was a lot more uh, mm-hmm. to gain. So this movie does have a rewatch value. Uh, I can just say firsthand. Yeah, for sure. Um. So, for those of you who were like me in fall of 2022 and have no idea what this movie is about... (laughs) No clue um, where Barbarian (laughs) came from. I'm also going to put this out there. If you have any interest in watching this movie off the title alone, or even after a little spiel we're going to give here, um, go watch it before listening to the rest of this episode. (laughs) Yeah, just do it. So worth it to have this experience not spoiled for you ahead of time. Yeah. Um, I was just telling Matt that how I found out about this movie was my mom saw it in theaters and then (laughs) asked if I had heard of it. And I said, no. So she told me to go see it without watching any trailers or reading anything about it. Yes. And I'm so glad I did. Right. Because the movie has a lot of like shifts that you will not see coming if you don't know about them ahead of time. I think that it's almost key to note, like, yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, um, go watch it because kind of the appeal of this movie, especially like how all of us saw it was without any context and just watching it mm-hmm. unfold and, and, you know, and just take you for that ride. So like go into it without just on our word of honor that you will enjoy it to some extent. Um, and you'll at least appreciate the ride that you're, you'll be taken on. Um, so yeah, yeah, so we will get it. Yeah, we've it's been a while since we've had a bit of a spoiler territory, but like, yeah, truly genuine. Like, go and check it out before you listen to this. Mm-hmm. But for those who uh, have seen the it, basic plot, the basic plot is um, a woman finds out that the rental home she reserved has been accidentally double booked by a man, not knowing of a dark secret within the dwelling. Which also, I appreciate the use of the word dwelling in the plot synopsis. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, um, it's kind of cool that, you know, like what we covered last week with Hush, um, you know, there's something cool about the modern take on horror being the inclusivity of, like, technologies and uh, just modern culture. Um, and I feel like this one is the first one that really taps into that, like, culturally defined in a culturally defining way i think that airbnb uh like airbnbs haven't Mm -hmm. been around for that long um i've only used them like a handful of times um but like they're massively popular a lot of people know what they are or have have been to them Mm -hmm. and for this to be the first time the culture's like what if we ruined that forever what if we were like the jaws for airbnbs for like how jaws was for Mm -hmm. sharks 
Um, and I think that they really hit it with this. <laughs> yeah, because this was the second Airbnb horror movie that I've seen. Um, the first being uh, Dave Franco's directorial debut, The Rental, yeah. which came out in like the fall of 2020, mm-hmm. um, which is much more... Um, I know what you did last summer meets Airbnb. <laughs> okay. Whereas this is more Hitchcock meets Airbnb. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so they're both very different takes on this whole thing, which is really nice that since it's so fresh, we're still seeing so many different things. Um, yeah, there's a lot fresh with this movie. Yeah. A lot fresh and a lot, um, I don't know. Like, it's not like it's completely brand new territory. Like, as the plot devices go, like, yeah, there's still, like, some of the conventional, like, you might have seen or heard of this before, but just the the way it unfolds so naturally, I feel like, is part of the appeal. Like, it, it can just, mm-hmm. hit, it hits so much more because it feels very grounded and very normal and gets mm-hmm. disrupted in such a not normal way. <laughs> yeah. Um... So I do want to talk a little bit about how this movie came into being Please. before we get into the plot. Um, so the author and director of the movie, his name is Zach Kreger, um, who was inspired by a nonfiction book titled The Gift of Fear, uh, citing a, sec- a section of the book that encourages women to trust their intuitions and not ignore the subconscious red flags that arise in their day-to-day interactions with men. And so he sat down just to write a 30-page scene um, that essentially turned into the beginning act of this movie. Yeah. Of this woman who shows up at an Airbnb only to find out it's been double-booked and there's a random man there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was like, man, this is getting too predictable if I don't like, like do something new to it. So he's like, I'm going to put in a big old twist in this movie <laughs> that just flips it all on its head. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, the first time I watched it, I remember it being like, all right, this seems pretty freaking predictable, and I'm a little tired of it. Yeah, and then it flips, but it also flips slightly mm-hmm. before it flips, if that makes sense. Like, they're... It has it has multiple flips. Yes. It's, it's an Olympic diver here. Yeah, tr- truly, <laughs> this movie goes <laughs> in so many different directions. Be ready for that. But um, I think it's cool that you met, you brought up the uh, point that he 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 wrote this almost kind of as like a treatise to like how women should trust their instincts against men. Because uh, we were talking about this right before we started recording that upon the second viewing, I did notice that this movie was bringing up a lot of themes about men and different types of men and how men are like f- seen as predatory to women and like that dynamic mm-hmm. and. It was cool because by the time I realized it, I already kind of really liked what they were doing because they had kind of established mm. it more realistically than I've seen the yeah. horror movies especially broach this topic. Like, we'll get into it later, but there's like a, a, a couple things about this movie that make me feel uncomfortable. And I feel mm. like it's just strange because they're presenting it in such like a s- ironically safe zone atmosphere that it like allows me mm-hmm. to uh, to feel that way i think genuinely instead of like without the fear of like oh he's being you know aggressive against women in this way or whatever i don't know it's very complicated we'll mm-hmm. get into it there's a lot to do i do think it's also 
really interesting that this was there was another movie i think in 2022 called men yes that i think also had a lot to say about um how men interact with women i haven't seen the movie i haven't yet. either i mostly saw that it was at the dead meat horror awards yeah it was so an I'm a- intrigued by that movie to see if it also touches on these topics i i mean it's an a24 movie saying something about men i haven't seen it either but yeah i would assume that mm-hmm. uh yeah it's something but i feel like We'll get into this too, and we brought it up on Hush, and we'll probably talk about it again when we talk about Scream 6, Um, but there's a Mm -hmm. new trend that I'm witnessing, Danny, uh, and I'm a big fan of it, Uh, and I just, I like that this movie, upon a second viewing, kind of was the signal to me that, like, this was the movie I first started thinking about it in, and it wasn't until later Mm -hmm. movies that I was like, I think I'm noticing something new going on, but we'll we'll get to it later. we should establish the main character, at least, um, that uh, we want to talk about is Bill. Sk- I want to talk about is Bill Skarsgård, but there's like a lot of people <laughs> to talk about in this movie that are like in main characters in their own rights. So yeah. we can kind of cover them like individually. I think, mm-hmm. like as we get to them, I would I would assume. Yeah. Um, so we first meet up with um, Tess Marshall, played by Georgina Cam- uh, Campbell who is the woman who's showing up to uh, her Airbnb, which is locked and she can't get into until somebody opens the door, which happens to be Bill Skarsgård, Bill Skarsgård as Keith. Yeah, and the house at at night, like that first establishing shot, it's like so dark on the rest of the street. The, mm-hmm. It looks like the house is the only thing in the world. And that's very scary and ominous to me. Yeah, this movie takes place in like a bad part of Detroit, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's, it's in Detroit. Detroit. Yeah, and it like goes so hard to be like this is a scary part of this town well, that already scares some people. Yeah, yeah, like scary for Detroit. Like everyone that that mm-hmm. is like you just don't go there. Like it's not like a, oh bad stuff happens there or whatever. It's like you just simply do not go there. Um, and I'm like oh mm-hmm. shit. Like that kind of you know says a lot more than i did i saw this movie at the rialto in macomb and the movie skipped uh through most of that interview scene so i didn't remember oh, no. like, what happened so i'm glad that the second time i was like oh okay so everyone's afraid of that street it's not like oh it's just mm-hmm. another unfortunate part of detroit it's like no that place is like the boogeyman of avenues mm-hmm. and it's a street yeah. the street is called barbary street Right? So, Barbarian, mm-hmm. right? I've just figured this out. Is the name of the streets. Because you're living on Barbary, which makes you a barbarian. A bar- yeah. That's where it comes yeah. from. And I'm really yeah, glad that, that I thought it out. Because the whole time I'm like, what the fuck does the title mean? Like, it, there's no war. There's no, like, warriors in it. Like, it's, there's no, like. Like, like this isn't He-Man. suddenly a Dungeons and Dragons movie. <laughs> yeah, I'll right, tell you that. Right. It's not that's not one of the twists. No, no. And that was I think the twist was that, that it didn't happen. And I'm like, oh, so <laughs> what was the barbarian thing? Uh but no, it, there is it's the street. Um anyway, so Keith is is interesting because he's Bill Skarsgard. And usually when we've seen Bill Skarsgard in most movies, I don't know about you, he's a scary person or the bad guy. Well, yeah, because, like, um, one of the uh, producers, I believe, 
had previously worked with um, Bill Skarsgård on the It movie yes. where he was Pennywise. And he was like, you would be perfect for this movie. Please come do this. So, like, what does that immediately... Like, so, like, again, a lot of us, when we first came out, we heard Barbarian, maybe heard about Bill Skarsgård. I remember hearing that he was going to be attached to this movie. Uh, and that was about it. So what does that tell you about this character? Or what is it supposed to tell you about this character? And upon a second viewing, I feel like it's supposed, it was very intentional that they cast someone like mm-hmm. Bill Skarsgård. Because, I mean, he's a very genuine guy. Like in interviews, he, he comes off not creepy, but he can very yeah. easily pull off creepy. Like with uh, like, I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen the new John Wick yet, but he's the antagonist in that, and he pulls off. I have it, but I want to see it so badly. Dude, John Wick Four, <laughs> brief time. John Wick Four, it's <laughs> fucking so good. But Bill Skarsgård is in it, and he's so good at being evil. So watching this again, I was I had that freshly in mind, and obviously I'm never gonna forget Pennywise. But to see him mm-hmm. this way, uh, you know, where he's it's neutral whether he can or can't come off as creepy. But it's just if you're primed yeah. to see him as creepy, you're 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 biting at the. You're gonna see, f- it. yeah, like that's exactly what Zach wants, right? He wants you to mm-hmm. think that about Keith. Well, yeah, because Keith, like, he doesn't know what's happening either. No, like, dude. it's not that he has malicious things in mind. Like when you first meet him, he's as confused as our main character is, because they both are in the same boat, just at different times of the. Of their check-in process, essentially. Yeah. So, like, it's really interesting to see him devolve from what she immediately is like, can I see your reservation? I need to make sure you are actually who you say you are. Yeah. To being like, oh, shit, we're just both in the same boat. And, like, you're not necessarily a creepy guy. You're just a guy who exists. Yeah. And then is suddenly super nice to the random person who walked in the door. Yeah, because, like, what would you do in that situation? Like... It, it all comes down to like Honestly, those individual. I have things. no idea what the fuck I would do in the, if I mean, someone else was trying to check into my same Airbnb. I mean, yeah, neither do frankly, I. Frankly, I like to think I would want to do the same thing, right? But I have no idea. Well, and that's kind of where I was coming from. Where like I, as I'm watching it, he like invites her in. And I'm like, okay, this can be constru- be construed as creepy, but you can also see like if you were that guy. How would you mm-hmm. come across? Like, what would you do? Like, how would you present the situation? Obviously, he takes Especially it in a little because... bit more of a cute direction later, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have, like, opened that door because he's like, oh, no, you, you simply must stay and, like, at least look for hotels I also don't inside. think I would have opened the bottle of wine, but that's right. besides. We'll get there. That's what I'm saying. Um, at well, that point, I feel like he was just I... like, you know what? I'm going to extend it. I'm just going to be genuine. Danny, I'm going to be authentic. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put myself out yep. there, right? Because, listen, it, imagine if this was cute, though. Like, imagine if this was how your, like, best friend met his wife, you know? Like... I'm telling you, if this was shot in a different way, yes. this opening scene would have been in the middle of a rom-com. Ex- exactly. You can't convince me otherwise. No, I'm, I'm so glad that you agree. Because... It, I'm like, could this be cute? Because, like, I remember it being like, oh, this is not really hitting right. But now that I'm thinking about it in terms of, like, I know that Keith is, like, just good. And so, mm-hmm. like, now I'm thinking, like, you know what? Yeah, this is this works. Well, and the other thing to note is that it's storming outside. So, right. like, he offers to let her in because it's wet out. 
Like, he doesn't want to leave her out in the cold and wet while they, like, figure this out. He's like, please, come inside. Because that's definitely something I also think I would do. Because, like, yeah, like you don't want to just leave it. somebody out. At least let them get comfortable while you ha- figure out the weird shit that's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and then, yeah, he, so Keith invites when Tess he opens in, the Te- bottle. Right, so, okay, so the whole time Tess He waits is, to open the bottle until she's back. He does. So, but, but... Like, he's, he's a gentleman. <laughs> I feel like we're blindsiding people, though. So, like, it's not immediately. He doesn't do this immediately, okay? That's true, that's he, true. So he invites her in to, uh, just at least check up, like, you know, they can call the numbers, um, they figure out they both mm-hmm. have the same number, no one's picking up. Um, you know, they, they found the booking on two different sites. Uh, it's, you know, it seems plausible. Right. And then he brings her inside to be like, you know, you can look up, uh, hotels if you want. I mean, I feel like that's kind of a dumb idea. Cause like at this point, like you're probably not going to get any, especially cause I just remembered mm-hmm. there's a convention in town, which again, can be construed as creepy, but you know, it's genuine because you know, he, we learned to find out that Keith is a fucking cool dude. <laughs> he's actually mm-hmm. plugged in with exactly the reason that Tess is in Detroit in the first place. And yes, they learn that over a glass of wine after he, yes, waits to open the bottle so that she trusts him. And Though he did mention it, which makes it a little, it exactly, seemed a little right? less genuine the first time you see it. Because it's like, oh, I waited just so you would see that I didn't put anything in your drink. And I'm just like, Keith, why did you even say that? True, like, Danny, just don't mention it and it would be less weird True, but Danny, i know i would I do the same say, thing because i'm also say, an awkward person i was like you and me are a couple of we would do this this would be us <laughs> we would have yes. somehow been like maybe this is creepier that i'm doing this now and i'm saying it out loud it's making it seem like i'm creepy. okay i'm just gonna stop talking like that comes <laughs> off very much as like yeah i could see keith doing it mm-hmm Oh yeah, it's super real. Like that's my favorite thing about <laughs> yeah. this opening scene is that you completely understand where both of these people are coming from with everything that they do, whether it be good, bad, indifferent or in like intended or not. Yeah. Everything feels like someone a real human being would do. Right. So um can I talk about something I'm noticing lately that I think I've finally found a name for? Yes, I want to know what your name for it is. Okay, okay. So Keith is the prime example of what I like to call the Matt Murdock effect, right? Okay, so okay. forget for a moment, or keep it in mind, and take it with a grain of salt, that I am a uh, 24-year-old white male, I am straight, <laughs> and uh, I know nothing about what it must be like for people to feel the same fear that other people fear for men. That being said, so take it with a grain of salt or just I, I'm going to admit that. So um, in something like Barbarian that talks about various um, male aggressions towards women, uh, I feel like mm-hmm. it's good that they included somebody that was, like you were saying, just an awkward guy who means well. There's not a bad bone in his body. And if so, it's like he's not ever going to take it out on anybody because he's just got his shit together. Um, and I like mm-hmm. to call these Matt Murdocks because um, not only is Matt Murdock just a great man, in my personal humble opinion, uh, but as I and Daredevil, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, and as a prime example, like the She-Hulk Disney Plus show, I felt like had that conversation, the same conversation that Barbarian has in a in a certain way, and 
Mm-hmm. Matt Murdock was the example of the good guy who was not even really uh, even portrayed as just like one dimensional and like a straw man. Like he did have things going on. Like we his three seasons mm-hmm. of a Netflix show about how much he has going on. So I feel like it was more relatable in that way to see him in a narrative that dealt with that sort of topic. In this case, mm-hmm. Keith is that is what my point is. And he and uh, the guy from Scream 6 uh, and uh, John from Hush that we talked about last week, I feel like are all part of this mm-hmm. archetype, and I like it. Because he watches jazz documentaries, okay, that Tess talks about. He's listening when she's talking. He plays jazz. Um, he, he's a really, good, again, a really good listener. Um, he asks Tess about mm-hmm. her, and he's engaged. And they even engage in a mutual discussion about the gender differences in decision-making, like talking about what she would have done in his place had he showed up to the Airbnb double-booked. Would she have let him in? Mm-hmm. And all of that. And I feel like he listens, and he contributes, and he also, you know, under, he vital, uh, validates her opinion. And I'm like, wow, this is a really nice mm-hmm. discussion and conversation. I really like Keith. I really hope Keith doesn't die in some awful, awful way. I really hope way. Keith doesn't become a bad person. Well, and that too. But I mean, at this point, you know, Keith's not. Keith's a good guy. Yeah, at this point we know Keith Keith's good. He can he can stick around. <laughs> Even though he does have that like what do I look like some kind of monster and I'm like, dude, you're pennywise. <laughs> <laughs> it's like maybe maybe don't ask maybe don't stretch this too far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh but I mean the 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 way that he like gracefully unfolds that duvet cover after cause he wash he offers mm-hmm. to wash her sheets. You know, just to not be yep. weird. Uh, that might have also just been a personal thing for him. Uh, and when he uncovers it for her and is, like, saying goodnight, bro, she is thinking about sleeping with him. I can see it in her eyes. I'm telling you, if this wasn't the start of a horror movie called Barbarian, this would be the start of some really dramatic romantic comedy. Seriously. I mean, I'm, I'm like glad Like, strangers to lovers. That's got to be an archetype, right? I mean, yeah. And th- this is the most, like, positive, good version of that. Because he's even like, you know what? Like, I'll be going to sleep on the couch. I'll, you know, I'll see you. I'll see you later. Because um, mm-hmm. uh, Tess has that interview tomorrow morning. That's the whole reason that she's in Detroit at all. Uh, and um, yeah. Keith's, it, Keith is renting the Airbnb because he's scouting locations for the jazz collective that he helped found. Uh, they're trying to find, oh, like, yeah. cheap areas in Detroit to record in, like, you know, in the areas, like, near here where they're, la- where they're at, where, like, the property mm-hmm. values are down and they can more they can afford it. Yeah, because he's, he's a part of this, like, underground artist collective that he helped found, and it's, like, this big jazz thing. Uh, and the whole reason that Tess is there at all is she's interviewing for... Uh, a position on the create it's like the production team for a documentary mm-hmm. about something similar uh and he's like yeah uh, i know all about that because it, it's what i do mm-hmm. um but yeah so she's got that interview in the morning and he's just like oh you know i'll go sleep on the couch you, you know good luck at your interview and like he's such a good guy danny i love Keith. Mm-hmm. well yeah and like even when uh, Tess wakes up in the middle of the night because her door is suddenly open and she goes to see if Keith did it. He's like talking in his sleep. Yeah, he's having a nightmare. Because he's something. just actually asleep. And like when she wakes him up, he's like, No, I didn't. Why would I? I, I was asleep. Why did you wake me up? I didn't do this. <laughs> he's like, Uh, maybe. Wait, maybe you're weird. Like, he, you can see the like, uh, yeah. Wait a minute. Well, who, what are you doing? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but he assures her that he did not do anything to the door, and she goes back to sleep. Yeah. And then she gets to go off for her interview the next morning. Yeah, which goes great, <laughs> apparently. Um, but yeah, on the way out, she's she like offhandedly mentions, like, yeah, I'm like staying in the city. Um, and she, uh, the, her interview, he's like, where, you know? And she's like, oh, I'm like Barbary. And, uh, <laughs> the lady who's a local is like, oh no, you just simply can't go there. Like you simply should just not be there. Like, I don't understand how an yeah. Airbnb is even remotely on that street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is always a great sign when you're just, when you have like, you're staying somewhere and someone's like, oh, that's like the one place you really should never be. Right. Like, maybe don't go back. And you're like, well, I have to. My stuff is still there. Yeah, I gotta go. We get more my also, shit. Also, I don't have anywhere else I can go. Yeah. And, I mean, when Tess gets back, uh, they, it's a really creepy shot. Like, they have the focus of the cameras on her trying to unlock the door. Because the, her and Keith share the key. So they have to keep the key in the mm-hmm. lockbox. So she has to punch in the code and get the key. And then unlock the door and then get inside the house. So on her way up to the lockbox... Out of the frame, like, it's blurry, and he starts running. You can see this homeless man just starts screaming after her, and she's like, fuck, mm. fuck, fuck, fuck. It's genuinely terrifying, because, like, I bar- I didn't really see him until it was, like, he was closer. And I'm like, oh, God, where did mm. he come from? Yeah. Ooh. Well, and, like, that's the first time that, like, someone shocks her and, like, it's suddenly, again, the scare of this is a random person you don't know. You don't know what their intentions are. You don't know what they're going to do. They're yelling. They're running at you. Maybe I just need to get inside and protect myself. Yeah, man. Not, I, I mean, it should be said, homeless man, again. So it's like yes. you don't know this guy's intentions um, and his manner of speaking and you know the tone of his voice. It would indicate that he means you harm. Like it's very... Mm-hmm. loud and, and brusque and you know so like there's nothing about it that says like you know hey like let me just talk to you for a second <laughs> it's very urgent yeah so um tess uh i can't remember how she gets out down into the basement i think it's she's looking for toilet paper or something uh well yeah I, doesn't she like go to the bathroom she, they run out of toilet paper yeah. so she's searching for that and little does she know that the basement door uh, closes. Yeah, automatically. Like, prop it open. <laughs> yeah, and it locks. Which, no, in my opinion, no basement door should do that. Yeah, no basement door um, should automatically close that and lock That seems like itself. a design flaw. Or <laughs> intentional. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh... Yeah, Danny, there is a very distinct dark side to this movie <laughs> that I want to talk about because I want to know more. We have to, yeah. We have to. And I'm glad that you're here because... I. I cannot talk alone to myself about how much I want to see more of what I just saw down in that basement. All right. <laughs> but we'll get to that later. Uh, mm-hmm. But for now, you know, so the, the, the basement door is locked. Um, and it, while she's looking for a way out on, you know, the various shelves down in the, in the unfinished basement, she finds this rope mm-hmm. and then she pulls it and a door that was part of the wall opens uh, and, uh, there's a hallway down there, and, uh, in that hallway there's a room with a bed, and a camera, and a bloody-ass handprint on the wall, and there's more and of nothing them. else. Right. So, uh, I mean, what are you gonna do in that situation? I, so, yeah, not only is she down there and finds all these things, and she's locked down there, so she can't yep. even get out if she wanted to. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know what 
what you would do in that situation because like there's nowhere to run there's no one to talk to about it your phone is upstairs yeah i mean you're locked without your phone you have minimal light to see these scary things you just found yeah well because at first she uh she she takes a look because you're like she's stuck in the basement and she finds that door and she's like no i'm not gonna go in there which like yeah a lot of people would agree but you're just stuck Mm -hmm. in that basement man and you and me both know that you're not about to just not know what's going on in those rooms. You're going to want to take a look down that hallway. I mean, you do have to find out. Yeah, you right. got to you got to have evidence. Right. Evidence. I mean, and right, so like you need to have evidence and you need to take pictures of what happened. Uh, that's what I learned from the law enforcement classes that I remember. Uh, but she at least when she sees that, she up and gets the fuck out of there. She flags down Keith who's mm-hmm. happening to come up to the the door looking for the key. Um, so she pushes the key out through the small window in the basement to him, uh, and as he lets her out of the basement, she's, like, frantically telling him what she saw. Keith's trying to, like, understand what the fuck she's even on about, and then, appropriately, Mm -hmm. goes, there's a secret room down there, I wanna go see it. And then he goes down and takes Mm -hmm. a look at it. And he's gone for a little bit longer than you'd think it would take to just check out a room. Well, kids, there's more shit there. Like, there's a lot to look at down there. <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm saying that's why Tess ultimately ends up going down as well. Yeah. And I think is smart enough this time to, like, prop open the basement door. She did, yeah. She op- she left the chair uh, propping open the basement door um, before she heads down into... At the end of the corridor, there is a uh, huge... So the whole tunnel... So the secret room, for lack of a better word... Uh, it's a hewn, like, cave, almost. Like, in the mm-hmm. ground. Like, it feels like a mine. Uh, and the various rooms that are built into it uh, are built up with, like, plywood and stuff. And then at the end of the this corridor... This is gonna feel like a very niche uh, thing to mention, but it feels a lot... I don't know if anybody else played Minecraft growing up like I did. It does feel But it feels like, like when you start a mine, like, in your house in Minecraft... But with more... But, like, this is in real life, so it's scarier. Yeah, with more, you know like, they had to, like, actually put in more dungeon effort. stuff, and, and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so it is a mine, yeah. I feel like Minecraft is actually, to, yeah. Uh, it's like, it looks like a mine, because at the end of that corridor, in the hewn rock, is carved this long staircase that just goes into blackness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Keith went down there, it seems like. And uh, Tess obviously is terrified to go down there because what the fuck is this doing in a basement of a house yep. in the middle of fucking behind a secret ass door? Detroit, yeah. Like it, it, this is not gonna end well. Like you saw mm-hmm. the rape room before you got to the tunnels. Like it's not gonna get better the deeper that you go. Yeah. But she does. She goes after Keith because Keith's worth it, I think. Um, and you gotta get him out of there because you can't let him die in such a Wait. nightmarish place. No man left behind. Right, right. Keith's the real one. He would do the same for you, okay? And I'm glad mm-hmm. that she took that chance on him, at least for now. Um, so as she's you know kind of tentatively moving down, uh, once she reaches the bottom of the staircase, there's a number of ways she can go. She's starting to see that there are... Uh, like metal cages and gates throughout that are closed like or open. Like big old dog crates. Yeah. It looks like. But like clearly could have fit a human if you forced them but in there. But clearly human size. Yeah, like people yeah. were in there. Um, 
It's like either for a human or a giant golden retriever. And I don't because think it's a bad sign, it's probably for humans. I don't think golden retrievers need to be out in the sun, not in hellish caves. <laughs> They're somewhere between hell and I more now. meant, like, when they bought the cages, it was probably like, oh, yeah, I'm getting it for my golden, and then they put human beings in there. Yeah, um, I have a couple notes about how menacing Richard Brake can even make just shopping for fucking groceries, and how he can make it uh. seem incredibly horrifying, no matter what he's trying to buy. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, Tess hears him scream. She hears Keith down there. Uh, and, uh, eventually he, he manages to run up to her and he's begging her to like run out the way she came. She's like, someone else is down here. Uh, like, and he's like, I don't think you fucking get it. Somebody bit me. Someone else is like in these fucking labyrinths with us. And she's trying to get Mm -hmm. him to run back the way he came. And he's like, are you fucking insane? No, like I'm not going back there. And, uh, they fucking piss their pants for a bit until, um, some what how would you describe what uh kills keith danny so okay so in the movie the character is credited as the mother um it's it's unsettling to see this like taller than you'd expect humanoid creature to just suddenly bum rush you while they're naked, yeah, and then crush your skull. I mean, she the wall. beats you against the wall until your face is paced. Yeah, like there is, there's no uh, question of uh, d- will he make it? No, he won't. Uh, he his brains are splattered across that uh, concrete. Yeah, I think at that point, and because uh, it's it's brutal the, and it's seemingly almost out of nowhere. It is, and it's a very it, it, like you said, like a very Hitchcock thing to be like Bill Skarsgård, big star Bill Skarsgård, just he gets killed off really quick into this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, for lack of a better term, it's over then. Like pretty much, it's like all right, uh, now what the fuck? Like this thing just killed Keith, like. Tess can't fucking yeah, move. Keith's movie is done. Yeah, Keith's done. And I mean, for all intents and purposes, like, Tess is about to be, also. Um, mm-hmm. So then the movie goes, okay, here's a totally different movie now. Yeah, the movie fully goes to a black screen. And when I was seeing this in theaters, I was like, oh, shit, the movie what? stopped. What happened? Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> whoa, okay, wow, okay, that's... And, and then we pick up on a California highway. Mm-hmm. Um, with a, uh, like, Hollywood star cruising around, talking to his agents on the phone in his, like, fucking, uh, oh, shit, what's it called? Not a Malibu. A fancy nice car. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so, um, I, I completely forgot his name. Justin Long. So this is uh, AJ. He's a Hollywood type, uh, and he's played by Justin mm-hmm. Long, who's a, a horror Who alum. Was not the first choice of the director. I found out. Oh, really? Who were they thinking? Um, originally, the character was written a little bit differently, and they envisioned uh, Zac Efron in the role to play like a himbo beefcake. That would have been incredible. But when, <laughs> but when uh, Zac Efron turned it down. 
they liked Justin Long's audition because it was like more charming and like disarming that he would be such a like terrible guy yeah. that it would make him more interesting to the audience. And I'm kind of glad they ended up going this route. Yeah. As much fun as it would have been to see Zac Efron himboing his way through the third act of this movie. It would have been his I'm Jennifer's really glad body. They went with this. Yes. <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> um, but Justin Long's been in Jeepers Creepers. He's been in Tusk, uh, Dodgeball. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I feel like he's a very recognizable actor, um, but unusually very oh, comedic yeah. actor, or at least not a very aggressive man, char- you know, mm-hmm. male character. And uh, I think that that's exactly what they were going for uh, when they wrote AJ, because um, AJ's, uh, you know, happy fucking drive down the fucking boardwalk times that are happening uh get disrupted from Mm -hmm. a call by his agent and his lawyers who basically tell him this is a bit of an awkward conversation but we found out that um apparently you're a total creep uh and your uh pilot just got you you just got kicked off your pilot uh, and your shit's all fucked Mm -hmm. also you're going you're gonna go broke uh and um it's all your fault deal with it yep yeah and he does not uh deal with that conversation very well no i don't think he's the type Um, that would no he also really digs himself further into the hole he's already in after all this when especially in how he um discusses what his perspective on things that went down yeah which i think it's really important to note um because he he talks about these events a couple different times in the movies you're in the movie with a couple different people and it's very interesting to note how differently his tone changes. Yeah. Because, like, when he's talking with his agents, it's very much the um, trying to pull a miscommunication type thing. But when he's talking with his buddy a little bit later, when he's looking through his house, uh, he takes on a, ve- a much more, like, I don't even know how to say this nicely. Toxic male? Like, he takes on much more of <laughs> Toxic a, like, masculinity way of evil- doing it? evil frat bro type of talk yeah because like not all frat guys are like this, no not at but, all like, the, everybody knows like the stereotype of evil frat guy who everyone knows one the... everybody knows one yeah which is upsetting but is something that this movie very much is trying to point out right especially in hollywood which i think is a right also very important place to be pointing it out absolutely I think that it's it's very cool that they were able to do that. Um, but uh, in a similar fashion to, uh, you know, Keith and Tess's story, um, it's cool that we get about 75% of a movie uh, from basically, mm-hmm. you know, AJ getting the call to him trying to pick up the pieces and try to figure out where to go next, now, knowing that his, he's fucked from these, you know, he, he yeah. apparently... Uh, you know, sexually assaulted his one of his uh, co-stars over. or something. So yeah, he's he's fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's an article just got published. He's he's done. Um, it's but just like Tess and uh, Keith's story, there's all this stuff that's going on, all this complexity, and like you really understand that like it's someone else's life is just going on, and then it just collides with fucking horrible bullshit. Um, because the connection yeah. here being that AJ is now trying to liquidate some of his assets. He's got some uh, real estate properties uh, in Detroit that are Airbnbs. Mm-hmm. He owns 476 Barbary, where Keith and Tess went missing. 
and uh, he checks himself into there, um, and uh, I mean, he, he's basically like, "What the fuck is going on here? Uh, everything, there's so much people shit here, and we know that because, like, you know, mm-hmm. we just saw everyone, you know, put everything out." But um, apparently, it's been a couple of weeks since they've gone missing. Uh, so, like, they've been gone. Yeah. Like, Tess and Heath went down there for a while. Mm-hmm. So he's got a um, this bright idea of uh, once he obviously find, he goes in the basement, he finds the secret door that he didn't know was there. So this is not uh, some like Hollywood elite, like pedophile elite sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something he didn't know was there, uh, but he takes it. Um, I don't know in a, such a weird way, like. The audacity. Okay, I think this is one of the funniest <laughs> scenes in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> to go from him seeing this to then immediately um, quick cutting to him Googling, can you use unfinished secret basement part in listing for house? And then him going back down there with a measuring tape is the funniest thing to me. Well, because it was kind of nuts that like he saw the secret door and that was when he made the call. He hadn't gone in there yet. So as he's measuring, again, seemingly unfazed, he's measuring the rape room. He's measuring the, like, creepy hallway. He gets to the staircase and then starts measuring each step. So, like, he's just, like, the audacity of measuring the square footage of your murder basement (laughs) and the labyrinthian (laughs) murder tunnels that are attached to it and just being unfazed as to how any of it got here or why it's there. He's got to get that money, man. He doesn't give a shit about why it's there. But yet I also understand He's not that. He's a good guy. I, I we absolutely, lost our good guy. <laughs> I absolutely understand that cuz you know what? Some douchebags like him are like one of those people that like even in the face of like unflappable guilt, they will still just maintain optimism. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's where they almost almost make the full circle back to like himbo positive jock. Where like they're just so positive yeah. that it's like okay. In this case, though, it's like, if Zac Efron had just been this character but, like, not raped anybody, I could see him also mm. responding in the exact same way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, uh, as Justin Long is continuing to uh, measure down the creepy killer staircase, um, he continues measuring, is, again, unfazed by the cages in there, just working around them so he can get the most measurement out of this. And he's, like, keeping tabs on his phone of how much uh, square footage it is. And he's like, this is going to make me hundreds of thousands extra. No, buddy, it's going to get you and fucking arrested runs... is what it's going to do. <laughs> if you don't yeah, tell people as, like... about this, they're going to think you did it. <laughs> yeah... Especially when you have to have, like, the inspector come out if you're trying to sell the place. Like, yeah, they're going to have cause to... a whole mess of issues. Another person is going to have to look at this, and then all they need is you not calling the police first to be like, so you did this. Yep. <laughs> uh, but he ends up... I don't re- Did he get... Does he get, like kidnapped so um mother, or does he just bump into it, so he's Tess? he's still measuring with his measuring stick um he, not the stick the the tape uh he tape, yeah he yeah. loses it a couple times because the tape got yanked so he's kind of he's now a little a little bit unsettled um so mm-hmm. you know now he's 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 going through the tunnels also uh he took a right where um at first you know keith and um 
Keith had gone and showed up for him, and when Tess went to go find him, she went left. So this is right. Mm-hmm. You got to build the map in your head. <laughs> You're in these tunnels for a while. Yeah. Uh, so the uh, the room that he ends up coming across, there's a sign of life in there, unlike anything else in the tunnels so far. And it's just a tiny little TV, like a TV VCR combo, playing um, some video that probably is called like the the beauty of breastfeeding. Um, Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't like any of that for the context. For the context, I'm very pro breastfeeding. Let that be said. But like the context mm-hmm. makes this uncomfy for me. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it's yeah, o- but the it's whole, the whole a lot of the stuff with mother is like unsettling. Yeah, but there's uh, there's more to I unpack. I can't with like that. describe why. Yeah, but we don't have time for that because mother does show up uh, and she starts chasing Mm -hmm. AJ, uh, who does have a flashlight that it does that creepy mama thing of uh, like it would like intermittent like flashes of the tunnel and like as she's getting closer Mm -hmm. sort of thing like that shit's terrifying. Uh, But um, he ends up running into a makeshift like pit, like a trap. Um, and, uh, as he's, like, screaming and hollering, uh, Tess shows up and tells him to shut up. And then we get another! Yeah, he, like, falls Ooh. into the, he falls into the pit that she is currently trapped in. Yeah, yeah, so, like, uh, she probably ran, when... you know, something similar happened to her. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we don't have time to unpack yeah, that, because so there's we... another freaking movie. <laughs> Cut back to the 80s. So, um, this one's a bit serious. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is where the movie takes another giant turn. Yeah, uh, so we open on, and what I think is a very uh, telling dichotomy, and I'm glad, again, that this movie is having this type of conversation. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we get sub- suburban Detroit in the early 80s. It's Barbary Street in its heyday. Uh, it's like a picturesque white picket fence type American suburb. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the early 1980s, uh, and we're, the resident of 476 Barbary is um, a man named, uh, I don't remember, Phil or something. Frank. His name Frank. Uh, but he's played by Richard Brake, uh, who we've covered many times on the podcast before, particularly with, with our Rob Zombie episodes. Danny, do you remember uh, Richard Brake? Yeah. What is, what's your favorite yeah, thing yeah. about Richard Brake? <laughs> Okay, so this man, <laughs> I, I'm sure in real life, he's a nice guy. He is. He's just like Bill Mosley. <laughs> terrifying to look at in most movies he's cast in. Like, the one thing that I always forget that Richard Brake did that, like, instilled him as, like, a creepy guy in my head was he was Joe Chill in Batman Begins. Yeah. Uh, which is the guy who kills ba- Bruce Wayne's parents. Yeah. So, like... As long as I have known Richard Brake as an actor, he's been the creepy murderer. So, like, anything he does in a I feel bad for him if I see him in a movie where, like, he's not playing someone <laughs> evil. Because I'm still gonna, like, in the back of my head be like, oh, this man's gonna fucking kill somebody by the end of this. He could be in a rom-com as, like, one of the romantic interests, and I'm still convinced he's gonna kill somebody by the end of the runtime. He's one of the main characters in Tremors, like, nine... I remember a couple of years ago came out, like 2020, I think. 
Like he does, like he's like one of those cult. He's like a lot like Bill Mosley or like uh, Felissa Rose. A lot of the like horror cult icons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like it's cool yeah. they got him you know attached for this movie too. Um, but he you know he was uh, I don't remember his name, but he was in Three from Hell, uh, the third Firefly movie that we covered way back when. Uh, he was in Thirty One. He was Doomhead. He was fucking scary as fucking that. Um, he was terrifying as doomhead <laughs> like i still think about doomhead every once in a while I, sometimes it, i like, do too crawls my skin <laughs> like the fact that he's like one of the only rob zombie villains or just characters that like doesn't get a comeuppance it's like mm-hmm. fucked <laughs> um and yeah he also did uh mandy with nick cage and mm-hmm. he was uh recently in uh, one of the episodes of Mandalorian, yes. as an Imperial officer, yes. near the end of season two, the episode that uh, Bill Burr is on, uh, they, it's like a prison escape mm. episode, and Bill Burr has this very intense scene with Richard Brake, and I'm just like, Jesus, you are just so good at being scary. Um, I just yeah. saw him the other day. What a friend of mine and I are uh, in a rewatch of Game of Thrones. Uh, and he plays the Night King in the fifth season, who is, like, the leader of the uh, ice wizard zombie, like, unstoppable threats that are just, like, ice, you know, people uh, that are the bad guys in that mm-hmm. show. He's, like, their leader uh, for uh, the best episode of that character. So, like, he's just really good at presenting as, like, a stoic, uh, wordless figure. Because Frank Henley has about, like, five or six lines in the whole movie. And that's part of what mm-hmm. makes him so terrifying. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, yeah, so um, it's genuinely chilling uh, that he buys all of that stuff for the home birth uh, before he gets his victim. Because uh, what yeah. Frank does is um, he's the guy that made the labyrinth on, in the basement. He's the one that put mm-hmm. the self-locking door on the basement, you know. And uh, his thing, I guess, is that he kidnaps women uh, after breaking into their homes, uh, and he sexually assaults them, keeps them in these labyrinths until they have children. He forces them to give birth. Um, He raises those children uh, in a similar fashion, and the cycle just kind of goes on and on, and um, it doesn't seem like he's ever been caught. But we don't know a whole lot about Frank because we don't get to see very much more than him uh, dressing up as a blue-collar worker, uh, following a woman home from the grocery store, mm-hmm. posing as a uh, like meter reader or something to gain access to her home to unlock her windows, and then he just leaves, yeah. presumably to come back later that night. Uh, but he, yeah, mm-hmm. we, the last stuff we see him is he goes down into the basement... Uh, where we hear screaming uh, with the baby stuff. And that's about it. Now, Danny, I need you to be okay with the fact that I really just want a whole movie of this. I know it's appallingly terrifying, but I think because of that reason, I really just want to see it. Listen, I understand what you mean. Right. But I do also really appreciate that this movie doesn't delve too deep into that well. You're right. Because... Yes, it would have to be a very different movie with a very different, like, overall tone Yeah, for that movie to, like, work and for people to, like, make it out of that movie with their sanity intact. Yeah, yeah. But, um, 
Because I feel like yeah, it, 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 it does it in a... It would be really interesting to find out more about his, like, M.O., how he operates, like, more of the, for lack of a better word, the, like, psychology behind why he does this fucked up shit. Right. And I mean, uh, I feel I like... I think it would be interesting. The movie, respectfully, in a way, basically, it's answered to you if you ask those type of questions, where it's like, I'd like to know more about this, or I'd like to know more about what he does. <clears throat> the movie just straight up asks, like, do you want to know that? Because I feel like we heavily mm-hmm. fucking implied what is happening here, you know, in yeah. all but showing it. Yeah, so. like there's there's no doubt in <clears throat> what is happening with uh, that man down there. No, um, yeah, he, and they it, just luckily do not actively show it happening. Yeah, so so I feel like why this is relevant for a movie like this, like what what we talked about earlier with Keith and what we've kind of mentioned with AJ being another example of men preying on women. Uh, you know, using weakness almost in a way to to, to get them off their guard, uh, like AJ mm-hmm. did, or um, in the very very small, it should be noted, one percent of the time, this happens. There are people that feel like they need to impose such level of control uh, over women specifically uh, to keep them and to torture them and to murder them in the, in these ways. Uh, and mm-hmm. you know, it seems like it happens a lot because you know, true crime is a big media now. Uh, but I feel like that sort yes. of thinking can be poisonous, uh, especially to people that are already sort of on the edge. Um, so just personally, I feel like it should. It's it's a, it's good that if it's brought up anywhere, it's with barbarian. So we can talk about people like Frank, and we can talk also about people like Keith. You know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. they're, you know it. I do think yeah. yeah, I do think this movie is really smart about how it shows the different range of things because it kind of shows the three different <clears throat> stages of this, whereas Keith is just your average everyday man who's like not terrible. But AJ gets it still. Is, he wants to understand. Yes. Um AJ is in that point where like he tries to show that he's not terrible, but still does terrible things like behind closed doors and like doesn't like that he has to face consequences yeah. for it. Toxic even masculinity. He yes. And then we have Frank, who's just a Evil. psychopath who is so terrible and does this for who knows how long yeah. and is never caught and never sees the justice that even AJ is facing right now. Right, right. Which I think is also really important to show the dichotomy between Frank, who got away with it so often, and AJ, who didn't get away with it once which is also why I think things are working better now because people don't get away with things as long. Right. That's why there aren't as many serial killers. Yeah, that's exactly why. That's literally exactly the reason why. I, I'm a strong believer in that as well. Um, but back on a more silly note, uh, so we cut back to AJ and uh, Tess stuck in the pit, and we get some of the funniest mm-hmm. lines out of context in this entire movie. <laughs> yeah. So, like... Tess has been here for maybe a week, maybe two, um, and she survived. Mm-hmm. So she's learned some sort of gimmick, or she's learned at least how to not get killed. Uh, so, she's learned how to cope. Right. And uh, she's a survivor, man. She's a fucking tough... She's tough. Uh, and, she's a final girl. She right. is a true blue final girl. Right, right. And uh, AJ is struggling to learn, but yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, she's trying to tell him to, like, shut the fuck up and, like, stay calm. And she basically survives and says, you need to stay calm around new mommy. Um, uh, you drink that fucking milk, damn it. 
She just wants you to be mm-hmm. her baby. Aren't you fucking blind? How can't you see that? Because, oh, aren't I so silly that I didn't know that the giant underground humanoid person just wanted me to be her baby. I'm so silly that I didn't immediately get that, Tess. Mm-hmm. Like, you clearly did <laughs> to well, not die. Well, yeah, because Tess, Tess definitely took a little bit of, like... Lear- it was there was definitely a learning curve. There's no convincing me there wasn't. But like Tess is just needing AJ to jump on as quickly as possible. Yeah, because she's seen what happens during the learning curve. She's like, you don't want to go to the breastfeeding room. You don't want to go there, AJ. Yeah, uh-huh. but he doesn't learn, and uh, he does. And um, yeah. I, I this is where I, I I don't know how I feel about like breastfeed i feel like this sometimes maybe it's just because i am a guy but like birth not like in a general sense freaks me out but like if i have to like look at it and like it's not going well it makes me uncomfortable and i feel like that's natural all right i feel like that's not well there's also something about the there's also something about the breastfeeding in this it's movie right it's it's that it's it's not actually for a child right it's supposed to be gross and it's supposed to be something that's outside of comfort zones because it's not how it's traditionally supposed to happen even though the the vhs is screaming it's perfectly natural (laughs) i'm like i know it's like breastfeeding in everyday life for like children and infants that's okay of course people should be able to do that it is not my it is not in my place whatsoever yeah tell women what they should and should not do with their bodies yeah exactly however it is uncomfortable for me I don't to see see, an yeah, adult don't man do it. having to breastfeed. <laughs> exactly, because the, the 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 new mommy is played by a man. He's it's one of those actors who's like a tall, skinny guy. Because uh, mommy mm-hmm. is like seven and a half feet tall somehow, uh, tall, living in a cave tall system. Mom. Tall, tall mommy, uh, and she's very strong. Um, so mm-hmm. she can nurse a full-grown man as if he were an infant. Uh, and she has the crushing strength and huge hands to do so. Yeah. So, yeah, th- in that way, I don't like watching it because it's fucking gross. I'm sorry. It's fucking disgusting. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing is that, like, horror has always brought, like, new, different ways of looking at things that may or may not already make some people uncomfortable. And this is just this just happens to be one of those examples, and it's not about whether or not you find the regular act repulsive. It's about turning it on its head and just kind of making you sit in uncomfortability with something you're not used to. Yeah, I mean, not to say that women would be used to that either. They would also be equally as repulsed True. by that. <laughs> Which I feel like it's 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 safe because I'm like I feel like I speak for everybody when I say that's fucking gross. <laughs> I'd like to speak for everyone when I say uh, what the fuck. Yeah, like on a slightly darker note, like the end of Don't Breathe is just gross. Like it's just objectively uh, disgusting, and not in like a yeah. I'm not at, I'm not saying like oh isn't it like this happens for animals? Yeah, I know it's gross for animals too. It's just gross overall. <laughs> yeah, it's gross. Gross all the time. Right. <laughs> Glad we agree on this. Right. I'm like, it's gross not because it's breastfeeding. It's gross because it's a seven and a half foot tall freakish monster. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But uh, Tess is able to utilize the distraction of uh, AJ and new mommy, uh, and she makes mm-hmm. her escape. She is able to run up the stairs 
and uh, smash the, her way out the window. Oh, no, I don't think she smashes. No, she does, because the basement door is closed, because uh, AJ closed it on the mm-hmm. way down. Uh, but she smashes out the window uh, with the help of that homeless man who shows up um, actually to yeah. help her. Because uh, at first he was trying to warn her, uh, don't fucking go in that house. There's a giant subterranean murder mommy uh, that will kill you. Mm-hmm. Just get out of that house, please. Um, and he's now come mm-hmm. to her aid uh, to be like, yeah, yeah, you need to get the fuck out of here. Um, but mm-hmm. she's like, there's another guy down there. I don't know if I should leave him. Um, but he's the homeless man's like, I don't think you fucking understand. She's not even the worst thing <laughs> down there. And I go, what? And he's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, that's never a good sign. It's not even really safe to stay out in your car because she comes out at night. And I'm like, she comes out at night? What's happening? Nowhere is safe. What's going on in this Kronos den of fucking cryptids down there? Like, these Greek mythology monsters are just going on down here. Also, I want to know more about how Andre has survived up to this point as a homeless man nearby, that he has learned all of these things Literally, and not been kidnapped. <laughs> he says, like, I'm pretty much just as surprised as you. She just, like, hasn't come over to where I live. Mm-hmm. Uh, she probably just doesn't know he's there. <laughs> True. Uh, cause she's not smart. She's got a, she's got a working concept of things, like, um, mm-hmm. basic maternal instinct and breastfeeding. She definitely knows that. She knows babies need milk, yeah. um, and she knows that people are like Cadbury eggs that you can break with your crushing strength. And some of those things she learned from her VHS tapes down there. I don't really want to know that. <laughs> well, like, because there's the breastfeeding video. Like, that's oh, more what I mean. I don't mean, like, right. murder. Oh. I mean, like, she, her VHS tapes, Danny, not, not I don't, Frank. I don't, I didn't think I would have thought about it till now. Do you think Frank showed her any of those videos? I, I really hope not. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say would, no. I don't think he showed New Mommy because New Mommy hasn't been around long enough. You don't think so? I don't think. That's the thing. I don't know. (laughs) I feel like Frank showed that to some of his victims, though. Yep. I would believe that. Yep. I mean, maybe, but as you see from the titles of those videotapes, they uh, didn't stick around long enough for him to learn their names most of the time. (sighs) So um, it's a good time to mention that uh, Richard Brake is still alive. Down in the yeah. basements, uh, just, he just next to, to the bedridden. Yeah, next to the mommy room, actually. And um, isn't it kind of so? AJ finds him there after new mommy has gone after uh, Tess when she was running away. So AJ used an opportunity mm-hmm. to brush himself off, take what's left of his dignity with him, uh, and he sees Frank bedridden in the next room over. And it, isn't it kind of funny that initially, originally AJ like gives him the benefit of the doubt and like relates to him? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's something that's slightly like uncomfortable in that it's the whole concept of sometimes bad people give everybody the benefit of the doubt that they're not as bad as they are. Right. And then sometimes they're actually worse. Right. Like in this case. Because like it would be too stereotypical and way too against her instincts to have Tess find him and like try to help him. It would be more Mm -hmm. for AJ, maybe someone like a man who isn't as um, hip to those uh, 
cues because they just haven't had practice looking for them because they haven't had to. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, well, fuck AJ. Because, well, especially because AJ is someone who has also used his position of power in a way that to is not people. necessarily dissimilar to what Frank did, just in a much smaller scale. So, right. therefore, AJ may see more of Frank's lesser intensities as something he can relate to because it's closer to something he has done. Whereas like if someone like Keith found him, even Keith would have been uncomfortable seeing Frank. Yeah. Keith would have been like, um, we should, we should leave and call the police. Uh, Because, like, Mm -hmm. AJ mentions, like, yeah, you know, I'm going to call the cops or whatever, get a bunch of people around here. And, like, the whole time Frank, like, can't speak, and he's basically like, give me the gun so I can blow my fucking head off, you dumb moron. Yeah. Well, yeah, because Frank knows that if the cops were to show up, he's fucked. Yeah, because they would be like, this isn't right. coming out for him. This isn't just extra square footage for your house. This is a terrible fucking dungeon. AJ. Right, and we're seeing around the same time, though, however, uh, that apparently Detroit police just kind of suck. Because Tess escapes and calls the police, and they just don't give a fuck. Like, actively do not give a fuck. Well, she doesn't call the police. She shows up to the gas station where police are. Oh, right, Uh, because I thought she used them to call the police. Oh, maybe. I thought it was It could be either way filling up yeah they think that she's a random crazy homeless person so she they don't believe her from adam about it at all because they're in the bad part of detroit yeah yeah and these police officers aren't good at their job they just assume she's on meth yeah (sighs) but yeah she's like dude i like you don't have your id she's like i don't have fucking anything dude i like i absolutely totally just escaped from a dungeon like please believe me yeah. God. But uh, she makes it back. You know, the police don't believe her. They peace out. Um, and this is where I feel like she should keep following her instincts and uh, just leave, girl. You tried. Like, the police don't believe you. Mm-hmm. Fucking wash your hands of that shit. I know you don't know AJ, so you would know that he's kind of shitty. And he's signing his own death warrant anyway. But, like, just go. Like, sweetheart, go. For Keith, go. Mm-hmm. Age is not worth it. Don't go back. Yeah, Don't do like, it. You Save already yourself. lost Keith. Like, cut your losses now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Metaphor. I'm talking about like in terms of people weighing on their conscience that died. Not yeah, that she yeah, should have yeah. dated him, even though I mean, yeah. Anyway, but uh, new mommy doesn't give her the chance to leave. Uh, she comes out of the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, had she dealt with uh, AJ by that point? I don't remember. No, she hadn't. Not yet. He uh, was no. hiding, I think. She just didn't see him. But yeah. uh, she had come out to ch- chase down Tess. Uh, she pulls her out of the... She was uh, trying to pull her out of the car. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. Tess just rams her against the house. And it's like, listen, I know you're big yeah. and strong, but like this has got to kill you. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then Tess does do the noble thing about trying to save AJ, despite... It not just, being in her best interest. No, because all because it does is... then AJ fucking shoots her. Yeah. Thinking that it's the mother. Like, all it does is get her shot. Like, he didn't mean to. Like, it, it wasn't unreasonable mm-hmm. that it happened. But it's just like, dude, of course you shot her. Because you're a fucking idiot. Because he took Frank's gun 
smartly and is like, why don't I just fucking mm-hmm. cap new mommy? Like, boom, it'll be done. Uh, yeah. Let's, um, yeah, he, so yes, he does shoot Tess, but it's on the way out. And uh, he, the homeless man shows up to kind of help her out. And uh, the three of them together go back to, he said his name was Andre, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Andre gets the gang back to his little hideout down the street and um, sort of gives them lore, but like not really. Uh, just like just enough of mm-hmm. a taste to kind of put all of the things together. Because um, uh, AJ is like, pardon me, sir, but like, who the fuck is that? And what the hell is going on? And he's like, oh, that's just mm-hmm. a crazy lady that lives in that house. I'm like, no, it isn't. But uh, sure, whatever. Um, and we learn from Andre that um, Frank, um, he, he basically spells out what we've been saying about Frank. He, you know, mm-hmm. tortured and raped and murdered these women. Uh, you know, I would assume murdered these women um, and mm-hmm. just had children with his own children. And it was gross and incestuous. It was, and it I was guess multi-generational problem. And I guess it yeah. made it he was making an army of weird subterranean children that like are kind of like mole people now, like they're super strong. Uh, but I don't know. Like, I, I don't need a lot of explanation beyond that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want a whole lot more explanation than that. Cause I buy that. I mean like, sure, whatever. That's fine. You know, <laughs> let's just, at least it's not like satirical, but like, at least it's played unrealistically. You know, as opposed to like, mm-hmm. well, plus, oh, holy shit, we found a rape dungeon. Now we just got to deal with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and there's not a whole lot of time to deal with all of that. No, because, she bails uh, that shows guy. Because up. <laughs> yeah, she murders the shit out of Andre. Poor guy. She rips his arm off and beats him to death with his arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, though, the AJ and Tess do take that yeah. opportunity to get the fuck out of there. Um, the nearest escape, uh, I mean, her car is total, so they can't drive away. The nearest escape is to just climb the water tower that's nearby, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, casual. But AJ still got that gun, um, and I feel like I would have just used it at this point. Um, but uh, Tess is still injured because she was shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's got trouble getting up the stairs and AJ basically just fucking leaves her behind. Uh, so well, yeah. And then AJ loses his gun yeah, he while he's running up the stairs and drops the it gun like an idiot. Uh, what is it? The guy from hush? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but when Tess does get up there and they're basically cornered and they're like, all right, we're fucked. Mm-hmm. AJ does the criminal math in his head and kind of goes, why don't I just get rid of Tess so that new mommy jumps to her death after her. So he's like, I'm going to just push yeah, I her. I don't have to. It's the classic shark defense. I don't have to swim faster than the shark. Yeah. I just have to swim faster than you. Right. Which and is, which is normal, I think, but it just does normal, say a lot about exactly his character. exactly how AJ would have thought. Exactly. Yeah, Cause that's definitely how he would have gotten ahead in Hollywood when he did. Cause at the very least, I he think definitely it definitely has some skeletons in his closet. Because if this was, like, a cute rom-com with, like, her and Keith the whole time, and it was nice, but also this was Mm -hmm. happening, I feel like Keith would have been, like, you know, like, he would have given her the gun and then pushed her off because he knew that New Mommy would catch her and then she could just cap her. And that way both of them Mm -hmm. live and New Mommy dies. 
AJ didn't anticipate that. He just pushed her off and was lucky enough that New Mommy broke her head on the curb trying to save Tess uh, from uh, mm. getting, you know, from falling to her death. Yeah. But uh, well, I, I think it's yeah. I think it's at least smart enough to uh, double tap her at this rate because I mean she's gone through this much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and she still gets back up and kills AJ. Yeah, she does. She uh, fucking fucking squishes his head like a grape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when the mother is like trying to do what it understands as comforting to Tess. Tess does the essentially the humane thing at that point. Yeah, just put her out of her misery. Put her, yeah. I was gonna say put her down, but put her out of her misery sounds better. She's a she's <laughs> a she still less like a golden retriever. <laughs> yeah, that's where the golden retriever in the co- those cages probably went. Oh, sad. Yeah, but um, I so. Tess, uh, you know, shoots mommy in the head and it's a cut to credits. And then, you know, we get a little bit Mm -hmm. of an after bit, uh, with her getting up and just leaving. Uh, and then, and that whole time I kind of did like a, you know how like the breakfast club ends with, um, him walking across the the field and they get the narration of the letter, you know, I kind of wanted the last bit to be her like letter of declining the position (laughs) in Detroit. Like I've decided to reject your job offer on account that um, I've just had a mental break from reality, and I don't think I'll ever want to hear the word "baby" uh, ever again. Um, probably never want to listen to jazz uh, or be anywhere fucking near Detroit ever again. Thanks anyway. Goodbye. Hmm. Um. And yeah, that's the end of the movie. I do want to mention one thing I forgot to mention earlier when we were talking about. Um, the mother, which is something I think is a really interesting parallel that people have brought up with this movie, yeah. which is um, comparing the mother with uh, Frankenstein's creature. Yeah, I think uh, so. With them both being like misshapen creatures that were brought into the world unnaturally, unloved, isolated, and therefore sympathetic. Yeah. Because there's there's a part of me that feels bad for mother because like it doesn't know what it's really doing in the in the full scheme of things like there is a sympathy behind it especially when it's come about from such a terrible place and is in a bad situation yeah, this, which this is all the ultimate uh, yeah and that's what makes tess shooting the mother by the end actually a very like somber moment of the movie rather than a really like triumphant the hero defeats the villain it's not that simple with this movie yeah because like what whatever you came into the movie thinking you were going to come out of the movie feeling it definitely wasn't this so like (laughs) it just leaves you with a very interesting like huh that movie was great (laughs) yeah or like that movie was weird i was like this was this movie was not... I don't know what I expected, but this wasn't it. But I really liked it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I do. I think it's really good. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's a bit of a theme developing on this show lately um, that uh, we've started to talk more about streaming with horror as it comes to the way things are. Um, 
Mm-hmm. You were having some difficulty watching this movie, and one of those reasons was uh, a pain in the ass, really, because uh, it just reflects everything we've been saying already. Um, you want to get into it? So, yeah, okay. Danny's going to hop back on his soapbox a little bit this week uh, and talk about uh, something that is very near and dear to, I believe, both of our hearts, knowing our DVD collections, yep. <laughs> which is um, physical media. Uh, this movie had a theatrical release, despite it almost being a straight-to-streaming release. It was released in theaters, and it ended up making, I think, 10 to 11 times its budget in theaters. So it was a, it was, was a financial success, without a doubt in the world. Um, however, it has not, to this date, this movie came out in September of last year, I believe? Yes, it was the end August of summer, early fall, I think. Um, and to this date, which is April of 2023, it still has not received a physical DVD or Blu-ray release which I think is stupid. Yeah. I am getting very frustrated with the era of streaming that we're in, especially when things don't get a physical release, which would just add capital to these companies, Yeah, which is something that I feel like they would take quick notice of. Because, like, for example, Smile was another movie that was originally supposed to be a streaming exclusive, and it ended up getting a DVD release, but not a Blu-ray release. I'm someone who doesn't care if it's Blu-ray, DVD, whatever. I just want to be able to own the movies so I can rewatch them whenever I want and not fall victim to a streaming service, taking it off if it wanted to, or if my Wi-Fi wasn't working like it happened to be this week. Yeah. Um, which is why I couldn't rewatch this movie right before we... Because I normally like to rewatch the movies like the day of recording with this podcast. Mm-hmm. And this time I just <clears throat> couldn't do that because of forces outside of my control. Um, however, when I knew that those forces were outside of my control and I went to three different stores today to try to find a DVD of this movie Mm -hmm. to find out it didn't exist was just so upsetting to me because it's something that I feel like we're really losing in some of the modern streaming era because not only is it nice to have a physical copy of the movie so you know that you're going to own it in perpetuity as long as you have something that can still play that movie. Yeah. A lot of DVDs also have special features which can show you more about the like behind the scenes making of the movie because like i love watching behind the scenes featurettes i love watching deleted scenes oh yeah uh sometimes if it's a movie i really love i love hearing the commentary from the people who made it about the creation oh, of all for of this. Sure. Like, these are these are interesting tidbits that you don't just get by watching the movie or reading an article about the movie after the fact it's so different when it comes from the creators themselves And I think that a lot of studios are really giving up on these things because they don't think it's worth their money to put in any extra effort on these movies, despite them being financial successes. Like, no one at Disney expected Barbarian to do well financially, (laughs) and then it suddenly crushed at the box office because it was really good. Yeah. And I just think it's a big disservice to so many fans out there, especially people who may be in areas that the internet doesn't work as well, or they don't want to shell out so much money for all of these different streaming services yeah. all the time. Which I they're understand to shell completely. Out. Yeah, and they're they're still willing to shell out like $20 for a DVD that they'll pay once, and then they'll have it for the rest of time. Yeah. Whereas with a streaming service, you may be paying $15 a month for 
a movie that you want to watch. And at that point, what is that even still worth it if you have both options? Yeah. I don't know. There's got to be a balance somewhere. There's got to be a balance somewhere. Like, I don't mind movies that only exist on, you know, streaming. There's like a weird lizard brain part of my brain that's like, yeah, but when the EMP comes and fries everything and I really want to watch Haunting of Hill House, I can't watch Haunting of Hill House. Like, that sort of thing happens. Mm -hmm. But, like, that's irrational. That aside, I can understand, like, there is a very good compromise to pay something monthly for nearly mm-hmm. unlimited of an entertainment medium there's always going to be people like you and me that like collecting stuff and like the special features mm-hmm. and like the having of it um because it's just fun for me to like sit on like a throne and just laugh you know it just it, it, it scratches <laughs> that itch you know but mm-hmm. you know on the other well, hand and i feel like there's also a big difference between like something like Hill House, which luckily does have a physical release as well. Yeah, that's the but exception. It originated on a streaming service, and so that makes a little bit more sense to me if it originates streaming that it stays streaming. But if it's released in theaters yeah. or like on a massive scale like this, it doesn't make sense to me to not give it a physical release right. when that's just adding so many more opportunities for people to see it and to advertise your company, your directors your actors your everything that was involved in making this movie well hey the success that it was we saw fucking three years ago exactly what uh the big distribution companies think of their artists and think of their actors when they decided that they're like why don't we just they toyed with the idea of killing the movie industry altogether and just launching movies direct to streaming service because you can pay more money uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, limit your product. And uh, a lot of people, it got a lot of people, they try to sell people on why that would be a good idea. Uh, we here at Square Horror mm-hmm. think that that is a bad idea, that that is something that is bad for so many reasons. Um, mm-hmm. The least of which being, like, isn't it just fun to see Barbarian in theaters, Danny? Like, how much fun was it to see that movie? <laughs> see, I also just love... Like, I know not everybody gets all the chances that I've been lucky enough to have, but, like, seeing movies in theaters has always been a great experience for me. Yeah. I can think of maybe two or three times in the probably hundreds of times I've been to movie theaters over my life, or my lifetime, that I haven't necessarily enjoyed it for one reason or another. But the the greater number of times I have enjoyed it outnumber that 12 to, more than 12 to 1. Right. A hundred to one, even. And if they are already thinking that they can take that away, I feel like that just, you know, they would rather get rid of art straight up, like with Hush. Like, they would Mm -hmm. rather just get rid of it entirely uh, than um, make sure that you, you know, could watch it at all. So, like, I think that bringing this to the table um, for now, two episodes now, is a good conversation Mm -hmm. piece. Um, And uh, I, I think it's a little illuminating and uh, a little sad sometimes when you think about all the really good original horror movies uh, that you can't own, you know, unless, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know a guy. And I don't know a guy, so I, I'm just screwed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yes. And we Burn is on HBO ironically Max, enough. so watch it there. Yes. <laughs> um, and in kind of keeping with our streaming um little mini series we've started up on kind of accidentally 
Yeah, recently. we just kind of tripped into this um, one. <laughs> we will actually be continuing that with uh, next week's episode, which will be uh, Little Monsters, which is a Hulu original movie. Yeah. Um, starring uh, Lupino Nyong'o, correct? Yes, Lupino Nyong'o does zombies, and uh, while being the best preschool teacher you could possibly imagine, and I stand by that statement. It's it's very much in the same vein <laughs> of um, Cooties. Like they may as well be brother and sister movies. We covered Cooties a while back in our okay. This Is Going Up series. Little Monsters is Cooties' little sister. You know, it's it's awesome. I can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really excited. Oh, man. Uh, follow our Instagram at the underscore square horror podcast. You can reach us at square horror podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, come and talk about whatever you... Th- if you are a big-time corporate exec... I'm going to get professional wrestling for a second. If you are some big-time <laughs> corporate executive listening to Square Horror, I'm glad that you're taking steps to get into the indie podcast scene, for one. So maybe there's hope for you yet. <laughs> but you, if you think... That you can just take away artists' ability to do art and express themselves and have their art that they made for fucking... They, they made for you. you know, they made for you to make money off of it. You're just going to shit all over that? You can go fuck yourself. And for everyone else out there, you stay spooky. Yeah. Yeah.